Welcome everyone to today's class. Um, before we begin, I just want to um, let you know that today is Remembrance Day. So at 11 o'clock we'll be doing um, silence, observing silence for two minutes. So I'm just letting you know from now. So Remembrance Day is uh, for all the soldiers that died in the World War I trying to attain freedom for, or not so that, that you, the UK doesn't lose their freedom. So they fought to keep that freedom. So it's because of them and World War II that we are today in this predicament where we can enjoy this country. But who knows what language we'll be speaking if it wasn't for them. So we should always um, you know, pay gratitude. So at 11 o'clock, we'll be observing that two minute silence. Yeah, just to let you know. So is there any questions from anyone pertaining to the last classes? So all religions, all rituals, all prayers, temples, gods, everything is promoting one thing. And if you understand this, then everything to do with spiritual de development becomes simple. Any idea what that is? What is it promoting? Yeah, Dimash? Seek yourself. Seek yourself, okay. Yes, you're right. Bit more, anything, anybody else? Yeah, Fatima? Um, the God within you and within everything else around you. I beg your pardon? Um, God within you mm -hmm. and the God in everything else around you or the, the self in everything else. Yeah, anything else? You're both right. So it promotes us to shift our focus from the world, from the ego, from the body, mind, intellect, to the spirit, to the self within. It all promotes us to think of something beyond the world. Those few minutes you're in the temple praying, you're not thinking of worldly things, you're thinking of someone, something higher. It allows, helps you to shift your focus. Shift your focus from this world, from this ego, to the self within. Seek the self, as Dharma said. Every religious spiritual activity you do is ultimately trying to get you to do that. To try and to instill that thought to get you to that stage. Right now we're studying this topic, uh, renunciation. Before this topic, we studied 
three yogas, and many other topics before that, all these topics lead to this one thought. And if you can achieve this, practice this, then you are a spiritual person. You're fulfilling your role, your goal as a human being. And you can only achieve this with the knowledge of the self, Brahman, the reality. Everything else you do brings you to that stage. That's why we need this knowledge for our own development. Does that make sense, Fatima? That time when you're praying, you're thinking, you're listening to that bhajan, everything is helping you to shift your focus. So it reminds me of a story. This chap, he wanted to get this knowledge of the self, the goal, the purpose of life. So someone said to him, there's a great sage living in that village. Find him, he'll help you to gain that knowledge. So this chap gets the sage's address and makes his way to his house. When he goes there, he knocks on the door, there's no one there. He looks around the side and there's a, a field. And there's an old man there. He goes to the old man and said, are you this great sage who has this knowledge of the self? The old man, he was planting paddy. You know what paddy is? Rice. So he had a whole tray of paddy and he was just picking each one, putting it in the ground. He didn't look up at the man. He just continued with his work. So this man said, sir, I've come to learn this knowledge, this great knowledge of the self. Would you please teach me? The old man continues without looking up at him or saying a word. The man got frustrated a bit. Sir, I've come a long, long way. Will you teach me this knowledge of the self? The sage looks at him and says, I've been teaching you, but you're not receiving it. Shift your focus from the world to the self, just as I am putting this paddy from the tray to the ground. Shift your focus. That's all it is. So it just reminded me of that story telling you about shifting your focus. That's it. If you get that, you've got the knowledge. This is what it's all about. Shifting your focus. Any clarifications? Okay. Renunciation. Quick recap. Renunciation is to be practiced while you're doing your regular duties, your obligations in life. It's an attitude to life. When you practice this, it helps us deal with our attachments and desires in the world. It's our attachments and desires that cause us all the grief. Renunciation means you have risen up from something with lower values and taken up something of higher values. 
The highest value is the knowledge of the self. When you set the goal to self-realization, then nothing in the world matters. What is the ego? It is your physical personality. We say body, mind, intellect. Human is made up of the body, mind, intellect and the self. So the ego is this material layer, the body, mind, intellect. The minute you identify with this, the ego is created. We call this the little self. When you say self meaning the higher, it always has a capital S. When it's the ego, it's the small s. You identify with personality rather than the self, the spirit in you. Me and mine comes about. You create a possessive attitude. So renunciation is arrogating everything to the self and not to your material layers, not to your body, the mind, nor the intellect. I am not this body, mind, intellect, I am the self. It's our ego that gets caught up in the everyday affairs of the world. As we rise above our ego, we are no longer affected by worldly involvement, become detached from our worldly affairs. So to be successful in life, whatever you do, you need to fix the mind on something higher, a higher ideal, way above your own selfish ego. Any questions? That's what we've covered so far in a nutshell. So we all have a rough idea of what renunciation is. This is a, a hard topic to get your head around, but today it, it, will, it will make a lot more sense after today's class. But everyone has a general idea, yeah? We're gonna give practical tips today, how to practice this renunciation. Okay, great. So we're starting the topic, renunciation is bliss. Renunciation is bliss. There can be no peace, no happiness, unless you renounce your little self. Give up your self-asserting ego. Drop the idea of I and my, me and mine. E. Carpenter, an Englishman, of great spiritual experience says, never before could I have believed it, but I see it all now. There is no happiness unless you have clean dropped thinking about yourself, but you must not do it by halves. While even there is, at, while even there is a least grain of self left, it will, spoil it, all, it will spoil it all. You must just leave it all behind and vouchsafe the personality and mind that much sympathy as to any stranger, no more, no less. Hence must you banish all attachment and anxiety. Brush aside fear of censure and hope of appreciation. Consider yourself as you would a stranger. Cast aside your cherished personal ego and pass disembodied out of yourself. Pass through the gate of indifference, through the door of knowledge, into the palace of bliss, peace and bliss. The Ishavasya Upanishad claims this truth. May you enjoy bliss through renunciation. So it's saying, 
You can only gain peace and happiness if you drop your ego. That's the only way you're going to get peace and happiness. E. Carpenter says you've got to drop your ego 100%. There's no other way. As I said in the beginning of the class, shifting your focus from the ego to the self. Can't do it in halves. Stop thinking of yourself. Think of the electricity, the spirit in you. Give the same attention to your personality, your ego, as you would to a stranger. How is that possible? How is that possible? Give the same attention to your personality as you would to a stranger. That's how indifferent you have to be. That's how you have to treat your personality. Don't be attached or affected when someone praises you or shuns you. You look good. Really? Thank you. You look, you look as if you put on weight. Really? Thank you. Maybe you have. That was a really good class. Thank you. Nothing should affect you. Someone says good, someone says bad. Because you're no longer attached to this personality. You're the spirit, you're the self. You understand you're not this personality. You must dissociate yourself from all attachment and anxiety. Only then you'll be happy in life. When you drop the ego, you start becoming spiritual. You are then on the path to self-realization. See, everything that affects us is because our association with our body, physical body, our mind or intellect, nothing else. Everything that affects us is because of that. You separate yourself from that. Why would anything affect you? If you evaluate, that's all it is, isn't it? All your worries and anxieties is because of that. Your false attachment to that. Because that's not even who you are, according to the scriptures. That isn't you. You think it's you because of our ignorance. And this is what the whole Gita says. You are not this person. You're, you're God. You're the spirit. But we don't understand that fully. And that's the reason we get affected. Any questions? Great. Paragraph two, please. Yoga in Sanskrit means enjoyment, and yoga means renunciation. People construe these two words as antonyms. Consider voga to be opposed to yoga, but this is not so. If you study them carefully, you will conclude that they are not different. Voga, enjoyment, is nothing other than yoga, renunciation. It may sound revolutionary, but it is the truth. There can be no real enjoyment 
unless you are poised in the mental state of renunciation. No sooner you renounce the arrogating ego than you become the, person of, the personification of joy, happiness, bliss. You turn spiritual. The path to the Supreme Self, the way to the bliss of self-realization is the crucifixion of the little self. So, um, Boga means enjoyment in Sanskrit and Yoga means renunciation. So they seem opposite, different. Because renounce means giving up, apparently. Most people think Boga means enjoyment. How can you renounce and enjoy? Anyone? How can you renounce and enjoy? That's what it's saying. You have to renounce to enjoy. How can you give up? And you have to renounce. What do you renounce? To enjoy life, it's saying you have to renounce. What do you renounce? Yeah, Damesh, what do you renounce? So, if you're watching a movie, we understand that the movie isn't real. Now I'm saying, what do we renounce? One word. Yeah. Renounce attachment. Attachment, which is? The self-ego. Ego. Oh. So you have to renounce the ego to enjoy life. This is what they're saying. To enjoy boga, you have to renounce. If you practice yoga, it means renounce the ego. When you rise above the ego, then you enjoy, meaning you're not agitated in any way. Whatever you do in reference to your physical personality, your body, mind, intellect, no matter what happens, you're not agitated. You're not affected. And if you're not affected, that results in peace and happiness. You're not affected by what anything anyone says to you. It doesn't matter to you. Whatever happens in life, you're not affected. You've risen above it. You've renounced your ego. Results in peace and happiness. What's happening in the uh, USA at the moment? Trump's lost the election. Is he peaceful? Is he happy? Every vote for Biden is someone stabbing him in the back. What hasn't he got? Most powerful man in the world. Wealthy. Wanted to be president. He became president. Now he doesn't want to give it up. What does that say? What does that say? What does that say to you? What does it say? What does that say to you? He, he, he's, he's doing the cardinal sin of, you know, fame and wealth. He doesn't want to give him up. Short-lived things. Ego. Attached to his ego. See, another lesson you should learn from this is that there's no limit to the mind. There is no limit. Rich, powerful, still the mind wants to keep hold of it once more. There is no limit. If there was a limit, we'd say, okay, get to that level, 
you're happy, you're satisfied. Where's the limit? This we should understand from this uh, by uh, observing this. Where is this limit? There is no limit. Kevil, where is the limit? Does he have a limit? His mind. Even after second term, he'd want to change the policy so he can stay for third term. That's how the mind is. Attached to his ego. The Isha Vasya Upanishad says, may you enjoy bliss through renunciation. By giving up, you will enjoy. Not giving up anything physical, material. We don't want your bank balance. We don't want your house, your car. Your part. We don't want anything like that. Just your ego. Give up your ego. That's all it means. Any clarifications? Shashi, make sense? Give up your ego. That's all. Paragraph three. Attachment is the prime cause of mental agitation and sorrow. When you are attached to material objects, to wealth, you are riddled with worry and anxiety. Anxiety to procure more and more, and worry about preserving or losing it. Thus, a newly fixed carpet in your house, a china you value, or any such prized possession can cause mental agitation, suffering, and sorrow if you are attached to it. Similarly, a boy attached to a girl, a mother attached to her child, would cause the mind to be disturbed. When you are driving your personal, expensive car on a rough and rugged road, your heart throbs, whereas the same ride in a hired car becomes enjoyable. Thus, when you are detached, you enjoy the world. That explains why you enjoy a tragic movie, a horror movie. Attachment to objects and beings is the main cause of mental agitations in life. Think about it. What are you not attached to? Let's, let's mark down what you're not attached to. What you are attached to, the list is too big. Attachment to wealth. How much did I make this year? Good income. You're happy. Made a loss. You're unhappy. There's that anxiety. I must make a profit, not a loss. Nothing wrong with that, but it creates worry and anxiety. You shouldn't make a loss, of course not, but it shouldn't affect you. That is that attachment. You put in the effort, you'll make a profit. New carpet in the living room. First few months, everyone takes their shoes off. Don't eat in the living room. Your attention is always on the new carpet. Little stain, you clean it straight away. I'm not saying it's wrong, but that attachment causes worry and anxiety. Anything new. A year later, it doesn't matter. 
initially creates that agitation, attachment. Boy meets a girl, both attached to each other, constantly texting, speaking on the phone. If he is upset, she is upset, vice versa. Attachment. You might have only met a month ago. It's that bondage, the attachment, creates worry and anxiety. Mother attached to a child. One day the child will leave. The mind becomes disturbed, worried. Will his wife cook, cook, cook good food for him? Wash and iron his clothes like I did. Worry and anxiety. <laughs> it causes you worry and anxiety, no one else. Attachment, bondage. Right, it's coming up to 11 o'clock. So yeah, it's 11 o'clock. So two minutes silence, yeah, everybody? Great, thank you. Attachment we're talking about. Buy a new car, BMW, Jaguar. See how you drive it, there's a bump and you slow down. Oh, let me take it easy over the bump. Little ditch, you carefully avoid it. Your partner brings a cup of coffee in the car, be careful. Don't like it when you eat and drink in the car, new car. Now imagine that you rent the same car for the weekend. How will you drive it? You try to go over the bump as fast as you can. <laughs> Let's not worry about the ditch. You have a picnic in the car, man. 
You're not attached to the hired car. Your own car you're attached to. When one is detached from everything going on in life, one enjoys life. This is attachment. Eleven, attachment. Make sense? Good. Any clarifications? Okay. So we have an example coming up. Who's next? Um, Shakespeare's play Hamlet was filmed with the famous actor Sir Laurence Olivier. It depicted a great tragedy. Every bit of it was very sad, melancholic, yet magnificent. It drew millions of admirers. They enjoyed the movie thoroughly. Many saw it over and over again. There was a charm about it that kept everybody spellbound. Notwithstanding all that, would anyone desire to be the Prince Hamlet in the movie? Would anyone like to be involved in those tragic circumstances? Everyone may enjoy the movie, but none would like to get anywhere near those scenes, much less get mixed up with them. If that be so, what makes it so attractive, so enjoyable? How does a sad movie make millions happy? On a careful study, you find that the enjoyment arises from one's aloofness from the happenings on the screen. It is one's detachment from it, not being involved or entangled in it. So he's talking about Hamlet, Shakespeare, tragedy. I don't remember Hamlet. It's a boring movie. And I'm sure most of you may have seen it or not seen it, Hamlet. So let's, not, let's give a different example. Everyone's seen Shirley. Yeah, everyone's saying, yep, yeah, I've seen Shirley. What happens? Shirley. This is our Hamlet, Indian version of Hamlet. What is Shirley? What happens? Jay and Viru. Jay falls in love, Thakur's daughter. Special relationship. Plants here and there. Taco's whole family is killed. Even his arms were chopped off. Remember, no? Everyone? What happens in the end? Jay dies. He flicks that coin. He knows there's two heads on either side. He gives up his life. Tragedy. What a tragedy. We all feel bad. He's died at the end. Some people are affected, maybe shed a tear. Marigya bichara. After the film finished, you say, wow, what a great movie. Amazing. What's so great? The guy died in the end. Sad movie, but great movie. You say, really enjoyed that. What? Tragedy. Which brings you so much joy, happiness. Why are you so happy? The hero died at the end. Why? Shobin, why you find so much happiness from that tragedy? Anyone? Why do you find? Yeah, Magna. Because it didn't happen to you. Yeah. Because huh? it didn't happen to you. You weren't 
Jay's girlfriend, were you? You didn't lose anyone. You just watched the movie. You weren't affected. You watched it. You weren't involved. Escapism. Hmm? That's why you can enjoy a tragedy. That's why you can enjoy a horror movie. What's that saw? People getting chopped up and doing all sorts of things. Why do you enjoy that? Titanic. Thousands of people died. Brilliant movie. Thousands of people died. You're not affected what goes on in the movie. You're detached. Hmm? Hmm. You, move, you view the movie like a witness. You're objective. You understand it's a movie. It's not real for you. That's how you need to see the world. Next paragraph. When you look upon a movie as a witness, you enjoy it. When you get directly involved in it, you suffer. Some even sob. So it is with the world. Keep your mind anchored to the divine self within and look at the world as you would see the movie. You must learn to live in your home with your family, run your office with your associates, meet the world impersonally as a Sakshi witness, without getting attached to them, entangled with their affairs. When you look at the phenomenal world, thus from an impersonal angle, as a Sakshi, view it objectively. It lends a charm. It is beautiful, wonderful. You enjoy every bit of it. But if you view it personally, lose your objectivity and get involved, entangled in it, you suffer. Your life turns miserable. It is a universal law. So just like how you watched the movie, that's how you need to see the world. That's, not how, that's how you need to conduct your life. That's how you need to view everything going on in the world. Keep your focus on the self, the spirit within. And then function in the world like a sakshi, a witness. Don't get involved. Don't take anything personal. Home, work, family, whatever. One movie going on here, one movie going on there, another movie going on here. It's great. You enjoy it. You're happy. So we're giving examples how to do this, how to shift your focus and enjoy the world. What more do you need? Be objective in life, just like the movie. View the world and its affairs from a standpoint of a witness. You then enjoy life to the fullest. Why? Because you're not affected by anything going on. Roshni, make sense? Can we do this? Can we practice that? We can try. We can try. 
Absolutely, absolutely right. We can try. This is what we need to do. But can you imagine if we did that? Sittle said even 2%, if we can do that, 2%, you're less affected. That's a great amount, 2% of the time you can be a sakshi to the world. We do that with the movies, with serials on TV. So you can only do that if you detach from your ego, if you rise above your ego. The minute you identify with ego, you're attached. This is what we need to do. It may sound novel, may sound crazy to some people. But it's exactly being spiritual. Yeah, Kevin. Um, I just have a, I don't know if it's a question or a comment, but I think it, there's, a, there's like a fine balance between getting involved and being detached. Um, because we can't be so detached from the world that we just go about being, you know, ignoring everything that happens around you. Um, I don't know, let's say, for example, you're walking and you see someone trying to jump off a bridge, you need to go and help the person and stop them, right? Because that's what your moral duty is. You couldn't, you shouldn't just be like, oh, I'm detached. Look at that movie going on over there, right? I think yep. it's, that's the difficult part is finding that, that fine line, that balance. You're absolutely right. We are living in the world. Yeah, everything is around us is happening. It's true. Like you said, the person might want to jump over the bridge. Yeah. You don't look at it as a tragedy and say, oh, what a tragedy. You have an obligation. You are living this life. But you have a choice to be affected or not. This is what we're saying. That's the difference. You have a choice to be affected or not. You fulfill your obligations, of course you do. So we're not saying, forget everyone, forget everything. We're not saying that. You have a responsibility to your family, to your work, to everything that you're involved in. You have a responsibility to be the best you can. But your choice is, shall I be affected by what's going on or not? Just like the movie, you can be affected by watching the movie, or you can come out of the movie and say, you know, the popcorn is really nice. The movie was great as well. What did you watch? Schindler's List. It's up to you. You want to be affected or not? That's your choice. This is what we're talking about. Is that okay, Kill? Next paragraph. Almost every human being suffers from the nagging weakness of attachment. To rise above it, you need to strengthen your intellect with spiritual knowledge. A knowledge which exposes the absurdity of your personalized relation with the world. Your immaturity, you begin to understand the futility of such relation. With knowledge seeping in, you gradually develop a sense of detachment towards the world. 
The dawn of detachment drives away the mist of worry and anxiety, leaving you in peace and bliss. So to rise above attachment, to, 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 to practice what we're talking about here, we need to develop our intellect with spiritual knowledge. Then it allows us to understand this ludicrous relationship we have with this world. As you gain a bit of knowledge of the self, you become a little bit detached from the world. A little more knowledge, a little more detachment. And slowly, surely, we detach more and more. It brings us more peace and happiness. Continue with your life as it is. Do everything you need to do. Do the best you can. But detach from anything. You're not in control of it all, you see. You think you're in control of it. That's the problem. Cause and effect plays a role. Pairs of opposites makes up the world. What are you in control of? Nothing. But you think you can control it. This is the problem. Rise above it. People, they don't understand this concept. They wrongly believe that as you detach, you don't care anymore. Carol, this one's for you. As you detach, people think you don't care anymore, which is what your question was, isn't it? This isn't true. Even in your own family, as you develop with this knowledge, people around you will think you're less caring. Yeah? He doesn't care anymore. Why? Because you don't get emotional anymore? You let things happen, you don't make the noise that you used to make. You don't get involved anymore in these petty squabbles. You're less affected by things. People wrongly think, since he's been going to this Anik advice class, Kabani Sunte Gyane. Sign of development. Actually, you're growing. You're developing. You're becoming stronger. You become the rock in your family. People come to you for, for your objectivity, your guidance, your clarity of thought, because you've risen above all this nonsense. He said, she said, this happened here, that happened there. Nonsense. Your goal is for your own spiritual development, nothing else. While you're playing your role in life, whatever that role is, mother, father, sister, daughter, son, whatever, businessman, nurse, whatever it is, Play to the best of your ability without being affected. That's your goal. Find out who you are. So as you detach, you're able to do that more, better. Renunciation. This is the crux of it. 
True? Is that okay? To think about this concept is a very high thought. If we can think about it, it's a very high thought. If you can even do a small percentage, changes your life. So renunciation. Ravi. Two childhood friends happened to meet after a long lapse of time. One of them was a successful businessman, the other a spiritual medicant, sannyasi. Engrossed in conversation, they lost track of time and reached the bank of a river late in the evening. They had to cross over to the other side. The boatman refused to ferry them across as it was past his working hours. Their side of the river was infested with wild animals. The businessman offered the boatman a chunk of money. The latter yielded. They were ferried across to the safer side where the businessman's mansion lay. That night, after entertaining his guest with supper, the businessman inquired, Tell me, friend, of what use is your stand of renunciation if I had not possessed the money? Both of us would have been devoured by wolves. Has not your way of life proved to be impractical? The sannyasi replied with these wise words, Dear friend, undoubtedly your money has helped us today, but was it its possession or its dispossession that really saved us? So even with money, you have to spend it. In order, you have to renounce it, spend it in order to get happiness. Having it in the bank doesn't bring you happiness. When you spend it, then it gives you happiness. It's saying here, this man, these two friends were in the jungle and they had to cross the river. Boatman said, now it's, it's past seven o'clock. I, I stop at seven o'clock. I'm not taking any, anyone across. So the businessman, he said, look, I'll give you double the money. The guy said, okay. Him and his friend Sanyasi went across and he said, you see, you have nothing. It was because of my money that we were able to find safety and go across. So Sanyasi said, but even then, it's because you gave it, you renounced it. That's why. He had renounced everything. He was totally peaceful and happy. So it's not, it's the attitude of renunciation. Internally, that's what counts. You have to think about that story a little bit. It's not the possession, but the dispossession that saved us. Next paragraph. The problem with renunciation is that it has a detestable, detestable front. People find it hard to accept the concept of detachment. The very thought of it sends a shiver down the spine. The idea of detachment stings you. Little do you realize that the sting of renunciation transports you to a higher plane, to permanent 
peace and bliss. It relieves you from all worry and anxiety associated with the world. The initial feel of renunciation acts like a wasp sting in a dream. The dreamer's pain is momentarily, for it wakes him up. He is freed from all trouble, worry, and anxiety pertaining to the dream world. Practicing detachment, therefore, may be initially painful, but it is all gainful. It ushers you to greater planes of happiness, leading you to the bliss of the Supreme Self. Saying, saying people are ignorant of this concept of detachment, therefore they find it difficult to accept. In fact, they detest it. They think just, they just think it's giving up everything, leaving all, it all behind, hiding in a cave. This isn't true. It's a wrong idea people have. They do not realize the benefit of practicing detachment. We've shown you the benefit today. So in this example, it gives this idea that you get stung by a wasp. While, when? While you're dreaming. In your sleep, you get stung by a wasp in your dream. You feel the pain in the dream and it wakes you up. But as soon as you wake up, the pain is gone. Isn't it? You feel the pain while you're in the dream. Oh, this wasp bit me. As soon as you wake up, you're free from the anxiety of the wasp sting, isn't it? You no longer feel it. The practice of renunciation is saying works in the same way. It is difficult in the beginning. It said, what did it say? Detestable. Shiver down the spine when you start practicing this. But once you start practicing it, the rewards are astronomical, it says. Once again, we're not saying you have to do anything physically. You don't have to change anything in your life. It's just a change in attitude. That's all it is. Don't have to give up anything. Don't have to change your partner, your kids, leave your home, nothing. Change your job, just an attitude. It's like right now, everyone sees the glass half empty. My glass is half empty. When am I going to get full? Change your attitude to my glass is half full. You're happy. You're satisfied. My glass is half full. Before it was half empty. Changing attitude, that's all it is. Just Nabin, make sense? Change your attitude. That's all you have to do. Look at life differently than you are. And this spiritual knowledge helps you do that. It brings one true happiness, bliss of the Supreme Self. Any questions, clarifications? That's the end of that topic, by the way. A lot to take in.
Any questions, Ravi? I was going to say, um, you know, as I keep saying, renunciation is difficult to understand. It's when one first started the subject, it's difficult when you look at it as an individual task or element that you're, you know, detaching yourself and and um, moving away from the world itself. But I mean, in, in fact, on one of the paragraphs here where it says, you must learn to live in your home with your family, run your office, but, you know, treat it as a sucksy, a witness. So you're still fulfilling your obligations, you're doing your day-to-day, but renunciation is the detachment allowing, I think, to give you clarity because you're not emotionally engrossed. Yeah. The minute you attach, you don't have, you lose clarity. Because you're involved. Your mind is affected and you lose the clarity. Being objective, stay objective. Mind gets involved in everything. Attachment is part of the mind. So it's rising above that. And for, to be able to do that, you need to develop the intellect because that then controls the attachment of the mind. My son has left me, found a new wife. He's made his decision. That's it, I've done my best. Raised him the best I can. That's it, you're done. Your role is over. When he needs you, he'll knock on your door. That's it, that's detachment. You're always there for him. But mentally you're detached. You've done your bit. He's happy, you're happy. Any other clarifications? Meghna. Um, yes, a question actually. How do you how do you stay in this sort of witness and like character if you like making if you've made a decision for yourself that involves something that you wanted to do? So it's it's difficult to be completely subjective if you've made a decision to something that helps you basically. Then how do you stay? as a witness in that situation. I don't know if that... Um, not, it's not very clear. Can you give an example or...? Not really, as in say, for example, we're doing our actions daily yeah. Yeah. Um, because you're, you're just doing them um, to fulfill your duty or something. But if you've specifically done for it something for yourself and um, that affects you or a decision that you've made, then isn't that, how can you be renounce in that sense because you've done something for yourself by you, being objective not ego but it's for yourself it doesn't matter you have to do things for yourself you have an obligation to yourself as well the minute you wake up you have an obligation to yourself as well you can't ignore yourself but it's being objective even with yourself people might be over possessive of their physical appearance of their emotions. You have to be objective in that as well. You have to you have to cater to yourself. You don't eat, you'll starve. 
whatever you do, you do for yourself. You have to be objective. You have to think about it. If it's something major, you have to think about it and then follow it. Don't be led by the mind. Basically, that's all we're saying. Don't be led by the mind. I'm not sure if that make, that helps you. Maybe with an example, I could be more clearer. Yeah, I need to think of the example. You have a duty to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. You have a desire for marriage. Yes, absolutely get married. You have a desire for it. You know, but be objective. Is this the right person for me? Think about it. Don't jump into it with your mind, with your emotions. Where do I see myself with this person in 20 years, in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years? That's being objective. Does that help, Ingmar? Otherwise, you whirlwind, you get away, and before you know it, you're the wrong person because you didn't, you weren't objective. It's hit and miss, of course, but you've done your best before taking on any action. As long as you've done your utmost best, used your intellect, thought about it before you went on and, and performed that action, then that's the best you can do. And as you develop it more, the better your actions will be. Is that okay? Yeah, please. So it's being sort of objective in the decision-making process of that, whoever it affects. Yeah. And then obviously if you haven't successfully become objective in that, then you just follow the action through. Yeah. That makes sense. In some things you'll be more objective than others. Mm. You know, if it's a strong desire, it's harder to be more objective. The stronger the desire, the, the more the mind gets uh, involved. So you need to do it first thing in the morning. That objectivity you must do first thing in the morning. Any decisions you want to make in life, small or big, as soon as you wake up, you need to make, uh, think about it. Make a note of it. Tomorrow morning, I need to think about this, 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 and this. Okay. First thing you wake up in the morning, that's what you do. Brush your teeth, make yourself a coffee, whatever. Sit down in a quiet place. Right. What decisions do I need to make this today? I need to make a decision this, this, and this. Okay, let me think about it. You'll have the most objectivity at that time of the morning. Whatever it is. Is that okay? Shilavan, you had a question. Yeah, it was also relating to Meghna's thing. It's, I think it's... Um... Now that we, we, we become aware of what, who we are, but it's a transition in life that we go through. So we, we have to take these decisions. We have to do what we're doing. And slowly that also passes by. So keeping that now in mind that whatever is today, it may be different tomorrow as well. Guaranteed it will be different. And uh, just do the best that we can and uh, continue just being aware. Being aware. Yeah, it's just uh, bringing the self of awareness to ourselves. And then the second, 
point you made, like the the renunciation and the happiness, it it just when I was laughing a lot, was uh, thinking of my grandfather, and I think Anita will burst out laughing as well. For him, he had no calendar because every day was Sunday, mm. and his happiness was just observing people around him and not being affected. So that was, to me now, that understanding what he said, like, you know, he says, it just makes it, yeah, he was at that stage in his life where he touched himself, but sitting on the bench and just observing everybody. Not affected by anything. Yes. And, um, but he didn't know how to tell us that he's so happy, just observing all this. <laughs> he lived, and he lived a long life. <laughs> there you go, secret of long life. Plus, it wasn't he had a tough life, but he's still happy with whatever he had. Yeah, but this is objectivity. Yeah. Nataks going on everywhere. Internally, you think, yes, this is going on, that is going on. And you get involved if you want to with it. It's not a problem. But don't lose your objectivity. I've got a role to play now. Don't lose your objectivity while you're playing that role. I am the self. I am not this physical personality. Keep thinking of that while you're acting. And that will help you. And then there's another question that Kevil um, asked as well. And... Straight away, I went into my my focus went into NE. The doctors are there; they're involved. But sometimes we feel like, oh, the doctors just give you the sad news without any feelings. They're doing a job without being detached to that patient, and that's that. That is only time when they can focus well. If they become emotionally attached to a treated a patient, it, it breaks us down, basically. How can they do their job? If they're affected by everyone who yeah. passes away, a surgeon performing heart operation, there's no guarantee that every, every operation will be successful. If he gets yeah. affected by everyone, every, every, every time someone passes away, how can he stay objective? How can he perform his operations? He can't. That's how objective, you have to be objective. So you have to perform the life in the same way. Don't be affected by anything. While you're acting to the best of your ability, it's yeah. a fine line. It's an art. You have to develop that attitude. And the more you do, the more happier you'll be. The more peaceful you'll be. That's the key. Take that away today. The more happiness you want, the more peaceful you want, less agitated. That's how you have to act in the world. See, so what is happiness? Happiness is when the mind is not agitated. Happiness is the cessation of agitations. Yeah, your senses. Cessation of agitations is equals happiness. So when you're affected, your mind is agitated, you're unhappy. When those agitations are gone, you're happy. Simple as that. And it's got nothing to do with wealth, Power, it's got nothing to do with that. Doesn't matter who you are, where you are. Your mind, a person with nothing can be constantly agitated. 
but at the same time, person with nothing can be constantly happy. The most richest man in the world can be constantly agitated. Why am I number two richest? Who is number one richest? I need to pass him. Agitations. So it's, it's how you look at life, how you deal with life. And for that, you need knowledge. Which is what all of you are studying here. That's why they say you need to teach this at school, you know, because then they're prepared for life. But it's never too late. Any other questions, clarifications? Drew, you okay? Damesh, you had a question? I, it's off topic, actually, but it's a question I, was, I wanted to ask. Yeah, please. From Avante, from what we're learning, how do we see Krishna and who was Krishna? How do we see Krishna and who was Krishna? How do we see Krishna and who was Krishna? Any ideas? Same way we see Jesus, who was Jesus? Same way we see Buddha, who was Buddha? See, it's hard to say who he was because was he real? Did he exist? Was he a, a figure made up in scriptures? We don't know that. But what we can say is that who was Krishna? He was a person who had reached that stage, that goal in life of self-realization. He had reached that ultimate goal of a human being, and he is portraying that knowledge to us. The through, his, through his actions, through his gyan, through his knowledge, through his life on how to live life objectively. So that's what he represents. And that's what you should take from him. Just like Krishna, Buddha, that's what you should be taking. Regardless of if he was a real person or not, when did he live? Is this story true? Irrelevant. What, are you, what is he teaching you? That is what you should take from him. What can I learn from him? Everything else is irrelevant. How can I become like him? Doesn't mean you get loads of gopis, yeah? <laughs> Knowledge-wise, spiritual development. That's what you should take it. Is that okay? Come in. What I say is that he's our Sorry, character. One minute. One minute. Sorry, Dramesh, is that okay? Yeah, no, no, no. It, it, it's an interesting way of seeing it, and that's that was confusing me. Do we see as a god entity or do we see him as an educator? Educator. Both. And that's that's where I was confused from a Vandanti standpoint. In the Bhagavad Gita, it's portraying the fact that everyone is God. So you already see him as God. Yeah, everyone is God because the self is in all, the same self as in him is in you. So as an educator of how I can become like Krishna, then he's an educator. 
you have to learn from him. And that's what he teaches. Yeah? Okay. Shilabin, you had something to say. Yeah, he's, it's, I would look at it now as he was our knowledge giver and okay. making us aware uh, as to do the right, take the right actions in your life. Basically, making aware of ourselves as to every action we take must be for a purpose, for a higher purpose. Yeah, exactly. So he's an educator. Yeah. Learn from him in that way. Everything else is irrelevant. It's in a story form. Yeah. See, it doesn't matter if, he's, if it was real or not. What did Jesus Christ do? He crucified himself. Ultimate sacrifice. Can any of us do that? We can't do that. But we can at least sacrifice our ego. Not our physical body, but sacrifice our ego. <laughs> Learn to do that at least. Taking uh, a bit of the knowledge, taking a little bit of the knowledge, what Jesus Christ said, and apply it in our life. Love thy neighbor. Throw the he who throws throw the first stone who has not sinned. Just practice those two things, and trust me, you'll be fine. Love thy neighbor means love everybody. Yeah. And you will abuse someone, accuse someone if you haven't sinned in it yourself. That's it. You're done. Two things. Any other questions, clarifications? Shashi. Hi. Um, I just want to ask about something going back a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and it just came to mind when we were t uh, talking about Krishna. So you explained that although Krishna had um, associated with all these gopis, he was a celibate. So I get that bit. Um, it was the other character whose name I can't remember that you said was known for fasting, but at so much food and even ate everybody else's food. I didn't I didn't get that bit. You didn't get that. Okay. No, I, it's the first time I've heard of it and I didn't understand that if he's eating everybody's food, then how can he be Bwasi? Yeah, Anybody would like to answer that? Saves me referring to my book. How is he how is Krishna a celibate when he had all these copies? Why how come you understood that and not the other one? Because I, I can understand that you can have a relationship with someone and it's completely platonic, even though it's of the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. But I don't understand how someone who's known to be a person that fasts, but eats so much food and everyone else's food. Because physically he ate, but mentally he was detached from it. So it doesn't matter what actions you're doing. Where is your thoughts? Where is your mind? What are you thinking? You are your thoughts. Mm -hmm. You're fasting, but you're only thinking of food. It's, it's pointless, you're fasting. Every time you're thinking of food, your mouth is watering. It's pointless fasting. Where are your thoughts? Yeah. So then was he eating, but not actually 
thinking about the food. It's a story. He's not, his mental attitude, his permanent past. He's detached from food. But his actions are different. His mind is not on food at all. You're fasting, but your mind is on food. What's more subtle? Your mind is more subtle than your physical body. What your body is doing is irrelevant. Where are your thoughts? Where is your mind? That's what counts. You're practicing renunciation, but you're, you're practicing it outwardly. I'm not going to be affected. But internally, you're thinking, why he said that? Why he done that to me? But you're like Lord Buddha outside. What happens? Is it? You're not really practicing renunciation. You're affected by everything that's going on. So outside, it doesn't matter. What's inside that is matters. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Any other questions before we sign off today? So I've just had someone whisper in my ear that it's Diwali next week. Um, are we still having class? It's up to you. I mean, I can't see a better day to have knowledge, actually, if I'm honest with you. But uh, it's entirely up to you. <laughs> it's fine with me. I don't mind. Any yeah. objections? Any objections, please put it on the Sunday post. If there's no objections, then we'll continue class. Yeah. I think that's the day we should have the most knowledge. Yeah, yeah it's, un it's uncut. It's the first day of the New Year calendar for us. So how be better than start with start of the young, a bit of knowledge? Yeah. So we can live our next 12 months happy, thinking of the higher. Yeah, it's becoming a beacon, your own torch, light your own torch. <laughs> okay, great. Well, if there's no other questions, then uh, we can meet up next week or Wednesday, whoever's joining me on Wednesday. Okay. Adios. Adios. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.